What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is 1.30, a Monday rundown brought to you, as always, by SorrySports.com. Today, we jumped right in. We started talking about college football. Tua had a tough injury. It's going to end his career at Alabama. We broke that down and talked about his draft status. After that, we went up and down college football, did a little bit of a recap, and talked about the top four. Following that, we did MLB. We talked about the Astros scandal. Then we did some awards. After that, we went around the NBA and talked about our two local teams. And finally, we wrapped it up with a little college basketball talk, finally. All right, guys. Follow us on Twitter, at SorrySports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore sports. Check out the website, SorrySports.com, and shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. Enjoy the pod. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's episode 130 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Here for a Monday rundown on a Monday in studio. What's up, brother? How are you? What's going on, man? I know you had a rough sports weekend. Um, I hope the hope everything else in your weekend was okay. Weekend was actually damn good. Yeah, awesome. weekend was good. Um, I did get to see my UConn Huskies pull an upset yesterday. So not- St. John's recently lost to Vermont. So. That's rough. Well, but the Jets won. The Jets won. Um, we'll talk about that Wednesday. Sports weekend wasn't too bad for you because the Giants were on bye. So. The Giants were on bye. Uh, but we will start with what did ruin my uh, sports weekend, and that is the Alabama quarterback what was probably, who was going to probably be number one overall draft pick, Tua Tagovailoa. He is out for the season with a dislocated hip. He suffered that injury. Remember, we were talking about it very briefly on the air as we were wrapping up our Saturday NFL pod on the phone. I was, uh, I had the game off so I could focus on the pod, and then my Bleacher Report Thanks came up. Thanks for that. And I was like, oh, shit. Carted off. Carted off. Dislocated hip. Apparently, they popped it back in, mm. but the rest of the injury was really, really bad. Yeah. They took him out uh, on the cart, and he had they, he had to fly all the way back to Tuscaloosa for tests, and then they flew him out to Houston to have the surgery done, Oof. which was done today. Uh, there is no timetable for his return because uh, he's not coming back. It's a it's a well, not this year. No, not to. Uh, not to- Alabama ever no most likely not I mean there's like speculation he might come back for a senior year if he doesn't think he's gonna if he's gonna lose a lot of draft stock I still don't see him losing that much I still think he's a top 15 pick I do too but um as for right now um you know obviously you feel awful for the kid um you know he played really really well after a shaky start in that LSU game um put up over 400 yards on a bum ankle that needed to be surgically repaired and cost him three weeks and now he's got this and this is awful are you gonna ask me i'm not gonna ask you for you for my validated feelings go ahead ask me as a sports i'm not gonna ask you as sports feelings are i do feel bad for him granted you can feel bad alabama fans injuries suck no matter if you're the best team ever i feel more bad for him i mean obviously it hurts bama's chances significantly you lose a top three player in college football, top four player in college football at the position when he's healthy already has shown he can win a national championship. He's gone to two. Um, now it's Mac Jones time. We'll see if he can maybe pull another uh, history repeat of a Alabama backup quarterback. I'm not putting my money on it by any stretch, but just, uh, you know, in a vacuum on Tua, I thought he was going to maybe miss out on the number one pick just because there's been so much momentum coming for, uh, 
for Burrow in L- in LSU. Um, I think he's the Heisman winner definitely now. And you know, it was a year that was supposed to be tanking for Tua. I don't know what happens now. I mean, does a team like Miami now look at just taking the best player available? If if Cincinnati gets the first pick, I think Burrow's their guy. I think he would have been anyway. And now do teams start passing on him? Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of time between now and and late April. But a hip injury like this, I mean, there's really no history of it. Uh, it, it, I have no idea what his timetable is going to be. And if he'll ever be back to what he's supposed to be. I don't know if his stock should go down that much. I think it'll still be, he'll still be a high pick. But, I mean, this is about as bad of a thing that can happen to the kid right now. Yeah, it's terrible. I mean, listen, as the as the resident in the world sports are, sports feelings are, everyone can feel bad for this. I feel bad for Alabama. Obviously, I feel a lot worse for Tua. I don't know if Joe Burrow is the number one overall pick. I don't know if he's Yeah, he good. is. You think so? Yeah, if it's Cincinnati for sure cuz they need a quarterback and they're going to take B. the they're going to take the healthy one who also just I mean not he was already a Heisman favorite but Yeah, he's he going to run away with it, it now. in now yeah. with Tua being done, not having those three games to put up some numbers. Um when it comes to his draft stock, I still think he's a top 15 pick. I ju- it I, depends on it depends on what comes out of the medical. Like if they're like, yeah, he's going to be 60% of what he was, then no, maybe he drops the fourth round. Yeah. But if he can make close to a full recovery, I think he'll still be a top 15 pick and he's probably going to sit out all of next year. Yeah, and that's where it gets dicey, right? If you're if you're looking at and projecting who might pick him is is a team willing to pick him and knowing that he's not going to play for a year. I don't know. Uh, it's you know the whole game has changed now with with him, but I just this is a talent, and I know we throw this out every year, right? And and no offense to Joe Burrow, but we kind of see this kind we we see this general kind of momentum build every year with a quarterback. I mean, we don't they're either a transfer or uh, we don't know much about them, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they become. This, I mean, we saw it with Kyler last year. We saw it with Baker the year before. It, it's it's not really new. I mean, he's going to steal the show. He's got momentum. He's the flavor of the month. And and it, but we haven't seen a pure quarterback prospect like Tua probably since Andrew Luck. You know, as a guy that was a consensus number one, and you know, teams were intentionally tanking. I know the Colts didn't tank, but once they knew Peyton wasn't coming back, I mean, they they let a franchise icon go so they could draft Andrew Luck. That's the kind of comparisons we're drawing with Tua. I still think that teams are going to look at him and say, as long as everything checks out, you know, fine, fuck it. If we have to wait a year, if we have to wait ten weeks, whatever. This is a guy that we've been waiting for for two years. Uh, we got to have him because there's no guarantee next year you're going to get Trevor Lawrence. I know Justin Herbert, I mean, he's going to be great in the combine. He's got all the measurables and intangibles you love in a quarterback. I just, are you going to be scared enough by Tua? But my question then to retort that, do you want to be known as the general manager of a team that is desperate for a quarterback as the team that passed on Tua? I don't know. That's tough. Well, that question just became a lot tougher with this injury because he was a bona fide number one overall pick. We'll have to see. Obviously, he's not going to be able to do anything, really, participate in any of the drills. I think this is going to be a really long recovery. Yeah, I agree. 
given it's what everybody's saying. So whatever the no time combine, is. none of that stuff. Nope. Maybe maybe he'll throw from a chair. I don't know. <laughs> maybe I don't um, no idea. What does this do to you or to Bama for you? Do you think this this completely ruins their shot, or do you think that Mac Jones has a chance to go into Auburn in a couple weeks and win that football game? Hey, give him give him a chance. You know this team is still really good. The weapons he's got more weapons than anybody else in the country. And obviously, he was probably a heavily recruited player, so I want to see it. I'm not going to completely count them out by any stretch. It's Alabama. Yep. That's how I feel. And, and, you know, to go off of that. I already thought Alabama was done, barring other teams losing anyways. So I'm kind of in the same position as I was before. Yeah. Well, and, and to that point, you know, this week nothing changed. I mean, Georgia played the closest game of all of the top four teams. They they went into Auburn and, and won by seven, which is, you know, it's not going to win them any style points, but who cares? They still have one loss. And unless they, you know, fuck up to Georgia Tech, which I don't see happening in two weeks, they're going to head to the SEC championship game and get a chance at LSU. Uh, if Georgia loses and Alabama finds a way to beat Auburn in Auburn, Alabama's in. Like they're going to take a one loss Alabama team, even if it's not with Tua. It just is what it is because Oklahoma lost to Kansas State. They're not getting up from that no matter what they do the rest of the way, even after that great comeback at Baylor Saturday night. You know, Ohio State's in, I, I think, unless they lose somehow to either Penn State, Michigan, or in the SE, or in the uh, Big Ten Championship. No Pac-12 team is getting in. So, and now no Minnesota. And now so. no Minnesota. So, yeah, it, it's going to be... It, right now, Right, if it's going to end the way we think it's going to end, which is an LSU-SEC champion then they're going to get Bama in, in round one. And Well, listen, Nick Saban won a championship with Jake Coker, McElroy, McCarron. I mean, those guys were not nearly the talent level as as uh, Tua. Or even Hurts. He won with Jalen Hurts, too. I mean. Hurts is better than McElroy and Coker. So probably. And at that, better. You know, at that point, uh, he was thought of just a, as a game manager, obviously. We'll see what he's doing in Oklahoma now. But, I mean, as far as drawing comparisons to former Alabama quarterbacks, it's not like two is unlike anything they've ever had. It's not like they had this run of Heisman, Heisman Trophy winners. So. Except for my boy. Broadway Joe. There you go, aside from Broadway Joe. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that this obviously is – I just feel awful for him because he's a great player whether you like college football, like Alabama, or hate college football and hate Alabama. He's such a fun player to watch, and we're looking forward to seeing him on Sundays. I just hope that he makes as full of a recovery as possible and uh, he finds himself in the right situation because I still believe that the talent is there where he could be a, a generational quarterback. Absolutely. The arm talent's still there. Let's just hope that some of that hip drive is still there to throw the ball. Oh, no. But with that being said, you already mentioned... Mobility and, and, and escapability, too. I don't know about that. That's going to be... I mean, listen, thank God he can throw the ball the way he can because I think he's going to lose a lot of that. Especially given they said the closest injury to that was Bo Jackson. Yep. And Bo Jackson was probably the greatest athlete ever yeah. before that. And he was still still made up for it with his athleticism on the baseball field after that injury, but he was never the same. No, you, you just hope that, you know, for him, this is a... Technology and medical has changed yeah, in 30 absolutely. years where they could make the surgery a little better. But this is the first time since Bo Jackson that I've heard of a hip dislocation. I mean, that's a brutal injury because yeah. it's all those you know external rotator muscles that you're also factoring in, the glutes, the hip, Not the hip flexors, the, the hamstrings, right, got. everything. The pelvis, part of the pelvis, they said, was damaged as well. So I mean, it's just a brutal injury and you feel for him. 
Obviously, now the top four it remains the same. We're looking forward to really only one good game this week before all the rivalry games um, the weekend of Thanksgiving. But, Tom, give me your uh, prediction on Penn State, Ohio State. Do you think the Nittany Lions have any chance to go into Columbus and upset or no? No. They're playing at Ohio State is at home. I don't care that that kid is suspended or out for the year, even though he was most likely their best player. What's his name? Chase Young, the D-end, yeah. Yeah, I don't care. Ohio State's going to roll. Justin Fields is throwing the ball all over the place, and they've got athletes that Penn State doesn't. I agree. They're opening at a 19-point favorite. and Penn State has fight, and they're tough, but I just I, I can see this game being a runaway fast. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, especially on the road. If it was in um, whatever. The, Happy whatever, Valley. Happy Valley. Not Death Valley. Happy Valley. <laughs> I think it would be a little bit closer of a game, maybe a 10-point game by Ohio, Ohio State, but... But um, no, Ohio State's going to roll. Yep. That place is going to be electric. You ready to talk some uh, cheating? You're a big fan of cheaters. How do you feel about this cheat? these cheaters? I respect it. You're such an ass. Yeah, I, I have know. to I, stick with you, the brand, you, bro. You have to respect what the Houston Astros do from a standpoint of the amount of effort that they went to to try to run this operation. So, How long has this been going on for is my question, or suspected? Because was it when they won the World Series? Well, or? the Mike Fires, the pit, a, a pitcher on the 2017 team, came out and said that they were they had these these cameras in center field that were being relayed to a special um a Mike screen Fires and was whatever. On the Astros then, right? That's what that's what he's saying. Oh my god! So he he's like, yeah, that we did blowing the whistle, blowing the whistle, man. Jeez. So he blew the whistle. Couple, he's not going back there. A couple weeks ago, no, he pitches for the A's now. Um, I know that, but so let's cover. He's bounced around. Let's so. uncover this. Obviously, this is cheating to the highest degree because they have used technology to advances that no other team has, uh, giving them a clear advantage. Um, to me, this is Spygate in baseball. Is it the reason they won the World Series? Debatable. Did it give them a complete advantage in the postseason that year? Yes. Remember, they did not lose a game in the first two rounds of that of that World Series of that uh, postseason, and they only lost one game. That was to the Dodgers in the World Series at home. In eighteen, they lost three. To the Boston Red Sox. It didn't really help them this year, though, if you want to talk about the World Series. Not in the World Series, but until then, they were undefeated. And remember, they were lighting up Tyler Glasnow in Game 5. And we were kind of, like, scratching our head. And Glasnow even, like, he's like, they know what's coming. And he made some adjustments in the second inning. But at that point, the damage had been done. The Yankees accused them during the ALCS of the whistling. You know, that's not a human being doing whistling, you know. And so this is... What, what's been discovered or what's been alleged is the banging of trash cans, relaying of signs during the 2017 season. What makes this really damaging is throw out all the wins and whatever happened happens and careers made and hitters, you know, that have put up these prolific seasons with Altuve and Springer and Gurriel and Correa Bregman. and all on down the line. Bregman. Bregman, runner up and MVP. Yep. Think of how many careers were probably ruined by going into Houston and getting killed. And Mike Fires, that's what he said. You know, he's like, there were probably pitchers that got called up and went and pitched in Houston. Had you know, everybody knew what was coming, and they never got called up again. And they're out of baseball. I mean, that's that's the level that a cheating scandal like this has. So 
to ask your to answer your question before how long has this been going on well there's reasons to speculate obviously let's just say the only allegations were about in 2017 so let's just say that so that's a world championship season now remember in 2018 the Boston Red Sox handled business remember who their manager was Alex Cora. Remember who was the bench coach of that 17 team. Absolutely. We'll see if the Mets will be cheating this year. So there you go. So the three biggest names mentioned in um, this investigation are A.J. Hinch, the manager and current manager, Alex Cora, the bench coach, now current manager of the Boston Red Sox, and Carlos Beltran, the final year player, and now the manager of the New York Mets, basically running this operation. So if that's the case... How do you discipline all three? You know, two of them are on different teams, but you certainly can believe some of it because, hey, Cora worked, managed Boston. Boston seemed to have no problem playing in Houston. And I bet you Cora said, hey, this is what they do and just be ready for it. You know, the Yankees won game one of that series this year in Houston and Beltron was working for the Yankees. I guarantee you he let them know shit that was going on. The Yankees were very keyed in on it. But, you know, of course, A.J. Hinch sweeping it under the rug saying, yeah, they can accuse all they want. You're hearing garbage cans being banged. You're hearing crazy whistling. Guys' numbers just ballooning at home as opposed to on the road. To me, this is something that's incredibly serious because I don't give a shit about people trying to say, oh, science stealing in baseball, it's, it's archaic. It's been in the game forever. It is when, when it's like a human being doing it, but when it comes to using technology, that's the same thing with the Red Sox and the iWatch. Yep. And do you remember what Rob Manfred said when he handed down the fine? It was only a or $750,000 fine, I think, or 75000 one of those figures. And he said, the next time that this ever happens, it's gonna, we're going to drop the hammer. And if you have a former player having the allegations or saying that this is what happened, not even alleging, saying this is what we did, and now an investigation going into how long did it go on and to what lengths did this go, Ken Rosenthal had a tweet this weekend saying that a source close to the Astros claimed that the Astros, a high-ranking executive in the Astros system, was asking scouts and getting tips from scouts as to how to do this. I mean, if this goes to those lengths, we're going to see punishments if if Manfred keeps his word like we've never seen before. So now I ask you, Tom, what could those be? I have my thoughts, but I want to get yours first. To be honest, I, I don't know because like in college, if something like this happened to, I don't know, a college football team or whatever, let's say they were stealing plays some elaborate way to a college football team, they would just get, you know, the death penalty, which means you can't give scholarships or whatever for a minimum of a year for, yeah, for a minimum of a year. What, what are, what are you, what can you do to a professional baseball team? Cut down their salary cap by half? Nope. Cause that's against the collective bargaining agreement. Yep. So, I mean, you can suspend AJ Hinch. I, I mean, we talk about all the time, how managers, does it really matter that much? Are you going to vacate wins? I mean, unless there's like clear and concrete proof, I don't know how you could do that. So, and accusing players of doing it, you're going to have to have even more concrete proof than proof against AJ Hinch to prove that, I don't know, example, Alex Bregman did this and this at bat. There's proof. So it's not like you can suspend a certain player half a season. So, um, I mean, aside from just completely wiping the board clean of their draft picks, I don't really know what you could do. Maybe you could 
Give me some better ideas. I have two. And first of all, I don't think any suspensions would happen to players because players were just beneficiaries of a system that was going on, unless any of them were the ringleaders, in which case now you're talking. So obviously we're talking extemporaneously. This is not, nothing's been decided yet and the investigation is ongoing. And we're, you know, we have a paper trail of tweets and, and reports and sources saying whatnot. But ever since this was blown wide open by Mike Fires, it seems that this went pretty deep. And it was very thought out, and it was giving the Astros an advantage that no other team was even remotely close to accessing. So let's just play it out and say that in 2017, 2018, and 2019, the Houston Astros stole signs, had an elaborate camera. Also keep in mind they won 100 games in all They have more wins than any team in the last three years. Yep. So let's just say that this was something that has been... Planned out, executed, easy, buddy. You know, that's a lot of water for you. I know, I'm Um, trying to hydrate, fellas. Yeah, well, (laughs) do it safely. Um, We're at a point now where, okay, findings have been made. I, you know, individuals have been identified and, you know, for lack of a better term, validated as far as what they've done. So now what do you do? If Rob Manfred was serious and sincere about his penalty, about his punishments that he's bringing down. I have two suggestions, and I don't care how... I, I know these are going to sound harsh, but it's really the only way you can do it in professional sports. Vacation of the World Series championship. You don't award it to anybody. You don't give it to the Dodgers. You don't give it to the Yankees. Just in 2017, there was no World Series champion. The Houston Astros have one World Series championship, and that's 2017. You take away the trophy, you take away the banners, you make the players return their rings. Everybody knows the Astros won, but it's like, you know, those Michigan teams. We see it in college basketball all the time. You know, like, we all know Memphis played in that national championship game in 08. Okay, technically they didn't, but we all know they did. So everybody in their mind can know the Astros have it. But when the, in the history books of Major League Baseball, now going into its 151st season, the Houston Astros don't have a World Series. So that's one way to do it. You would have to have an anatomy amount of proof. Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm speaking out in terms of everything's been found out. Everything's been validated. Ident- you know, individuals have been identified and proven guilty. And this operation went, you know, to levels that are being speculated of right now. The other one is there is no postseason play allowed for the Houston Astros in 2020. Now, you can't take away, you can't take away salary cap or, um, uh, you can't take away salary because obviously, um, you know, players have to sign somewhere and teams have to spend a certain amount of money every offseason. Okay, so you're not going to do that. You can't tell say. them. You can't tell them to trade people because you're not. You know, they might do that anyway. Would you say it would be too harsh, being that? The last three years, if it was proven that they couldn't make the playoffs for three years, would no, that be too hard? I think just one year. Yep. You, because what you do is you cut down and, you know, the incentive is there to still play hard because players are playing for contracts and they're, you know, they might get dealt somewhere or signed somewhere else in the off, in the, in the uh, off season next year, or they're going to, you know, at least play for personal pride. We see that all the time. Or maybe they'll have an ultimate middle finger to the world and say, "Fine, we'll win 120 games and not make the play and not be able to play." You know, like kind of go scorch earth there. Whatever you want. But I think if you take away their eligibility to play in the playoffs for a year, what you're doing by that or by vacating the the championship 
and I know this sounds crazy to people listening because we've never seen this happen. This didn't even happen with the Black Sox. But I'm just speaking from what Rob Manfred mentioned about after the Red Sox. You have to set a precedent with technology here. We're we're in an, an age where technological advances are so deep that I can't even speak to them because I'm not nearly as smart about it as people with backgrounds in all of this are. And if you know you're you're driven enough and you have a motive enough to make these things happen, you're going to make these things happen. But it's again, it's about the integrity of the game. A whole team had a clear-cut advantage over everybody else. So if you're going to punish, you have to punish hard. In baseball, draft picks don't really matter. This isn't football. You can't do anything with the salaries. You can't tell them to get rid of players because that goes against collective bargaining agreement and this and everything that goes along with you know maintaining that integrity too. Either vacating a championship the first time we've ever seen it, or you suspend them from postseason play for a season, they can't, they won't be eligible. You give either the second place team in the West or you give it to the third wild card. I'm sure that part's not hard to figure out. I'm sure they can do that just fine. But those are two ways to really come down hard and say no team will ever do this again. Because I think that's what baseball is looking for. Baseball, you know, they don't want this shit happening. Teams cannot get away with this. Because this is I, this is much more than what you said. Just picking up a stolen, you know, a sign in second base or a pitcher tipping his pitches and and guys knowing this is basically espionage. So, I love a good cheater, but I love a good cheater that doesn't get caught. You know, and these guys got sloppy. They really did. So it's unfortunate. I mean, listen, I'll do whatever it takes to win, but I don't get caught cheating. I'm not that stupid. Um, well, it just seems. I mean, and and I don't have all the evidence, obviously, because it's still coming out, but. They got a little sloppy. Obviously, that this was what's be, what's becoming more and more evident is this was an entire operation that was very well thought out, very well executed, and till the end. I don't even think till the end. If Mike Fires doesn't blow the whistle, Mike Fires, remember, might just have sour grapes. Remember, True. he he he. They didn't retain him. They didn't offer him a contract, and now he's pitching against them with the Oakland Athletics. He's going into Houston a couple times a year and pitching. And we saw Danny Farquhar, when he was a member of the White Sox, step off the rubber when he heard the banging of the trash cans and bring the catcher out, and he was pointing to his head at the Astro dugout saying, I know exactly what you're doing. So this has been picked up, but it hasn't been released. But now that there's validation that it at least happened for one year, now it's about investigation. Now it's about to see how far this goes and then deciding what the punishment is to fit the crime. You got to see who's purely culpable, but... Man, this is a story. This is a this is a story that Rob Manfred does not want, and he will make sure. I mean, we saw it with Goodell. I'm not a fan of Goodell. I think he fucks up basically every time. But when they set out the bounty gate, you know that that was questioning the integrity of football. That was no long. That was that crossed the border of, hey, I need you to make plays. That was I'm trying to. We're trying to kill people, which obviously you're trying to end people's careers. You're trying to hurt their financial income from their families long term. That's bad, obviously, and that will never happen again with the punishment the Saints got. So Rob Manfred needs to do something similar if this goes as deep as is being you know talked about right now. I really like the vacation of the next year's playoffs where you can't even play. I just don't think we see that get, in college. I don't think you can too. get rid of a title. I, I, it would be really hard. It's literally never happened before in pro sports. Yeah, exactly. And in college, it's always a joke. I mean, Louisville, they got their... But I do think it's a pride thing. 
because every again people do know who wins and and people listening might disagree and they're like yeah but we know who wins but it's so different when you're playing and you hold that world series trophy and you you have your rings and you're able to put a banner in your in your stadium for the first time ever i'm sorry that matters whether we, whether we care or not is irrelevant it matters to them that's what you play for so if you're told that your championship is gone you'll have the memories but you're never you will not be able to have any memorabilia that's gone. Again, I think that will only happen in the most extreme of circumstances. Same with the banning of, of playoff baseball this year. I'm just saying that if you're trying to make punishments fit the crime, if the crime is that egregious, to me, those are the only two options. Because it would set a precedent for teams will never, ever, ever do this again. I agree with you, my friend. All right, let's move on to some awards because we're going to have to wait for that investigation to conclude. And I think it's going to be a lengthy one. Yeah, I can see this dragging all into the offseason. Absolutely. All right, so we got some we got some awards. We talked Rookie of the Year last time, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston Astros went for the sweep this year. First thing we have is the MVPs. We'll talk about that. Bellinger, I think he was definitely deserving of the award. He had a great year. I thought him and Yelich both could have won, but Yelich getting hurt at the yeah, end. Bellinger exactly. was able to get past, yeah. And then Trout won the award. And the more we talk about the the alleged cheating of the Houston Astros, I was going to argue that Bregman should have won the award because he was on a 100-win team. But, I mean, it, that's even more of an advantage than if you're playing in Colorado. Real quick, side, yeah, real quick sidebar before you go in. I, I just want to say I'm not taking anything away from these guys as players. They're obviously all tremendous talents just if you have an advantage your numbers are going to look a little a little shady so i'm going to stick with trout as mvp knowing what we possibly know about bregman and and knowing what pitches are coming trout again his war is through the roof he's the greatest player ever i think they should change the name of the award to most outstanding player because you're not really that valuable when your team wins 72 games but if you want to go the the new analytics route, his wins above replacement are high and far above everybody, and his numbers are insane. Best of all time. Go. So so literally, like we they do have a stat to quantify value. We don't think it matters because they're never in the playoffs. But as far as just looking at value of a single player, that's what WAR does. Yep, absolutely. And he is the most valuable player. So you know what? I'm cool with Trout winning MVP. Enjoy being there with your 400, 500, whatever million dollars and never making the playoffs. Yeah, I'm good with it too. All right, Cy Young's Jacob DeGrom. I think he definitely deserved the win, especially throwing 23 shutout innings to end off the season. Again, this is the most outstanding pitcher award. Who gives a shit how the Mets did? He was amazing. Second year in a row, best pitcher in not only the National League, but in my opinion, baseball. Yes, this one I had a little bit of a gripe with, Verlander getting it over Garrett Cole. I think Garrett Cole had a better year. I think they were both obviously amazing. I wouldn't one, have, two. I wouldn't have had a problem with a 50-50 split, honestly. I think that it sounds weird, but I think that you could do that. Um, I think it's just Verlander is so well-loved by the baseball writers. And, you know, what he's done in, in Houston now is, is truly remarkable. He's made a whole second career and regardless of what happened in the playoffs i mean he was him and cole were the one-two punch in the in the al and i think it's you know i don't have much of a problem with verlander winning absolutely all right so other award we have is the manager of the year Awards. this i have some problems with uh how do you pronounce that one guy's name mike schilt the, schilt yep the manager of uh the st louis cardinals okay and then rocco baldelli fucking bullshit you think boone should have won fucking bullshit all right, go ahead. This is the most 
obvious anti-Yankee bias uh, I've ever seen. And I, like, I, I know, I and I thought Judge should have won MVP in in seventeen in addition to Rookie of the Year. I know Altuve had an incredible year, but again, that Astros team was so loaded, they were probably going to win the AL anyway. Just Aaron Judge, if he didn't have the year he had that year, the Yankees. I mean, who the fuck would have thought they were going to go to Game 7 of the LCS that year? Uh, and, you know, he allowed them to make in-season trades. I mean, they were so much better than anybody thought simply because of Aaron Judge. He was the most valuable player in baseball that year, but whatever. Aaron Boone navigated a team that had 35 players on the injured list. John Carlos Stanton, former NL MVP, played 18 games. Their ace, Luis Severino, started four games. Dellen Batances, one of the best relievers in baseball, pitched to two batters. Aaron Judge missed time on the aisle. And Miguel Andahar, who was runner-up in Rookie of the Year in 18, missed basically the whole season. I can go up, on, down the line, over and over. Everybody knows who listens to this podcast. We detailed it in full. The 2019 Yankees, this was hardly the version of the New York Yankees people thought they were going to get. Brett Gardner played. 155 games for God's sakes. Aaron Hicks hardly played. You know, he had he he played about I don't know a third of the season. Didi Gregorius. Didi didn't come back till June. I mean, Urshela on and off the IL. They Luke had Gio Urshela, Luke Voigt. I mean, Mike Talkman, Clint Frazier. I mean, these are guys that nobody. Gary Sanchez was on the IL three times. You know, Romine picked up. I mean, they had you know Domingo Herman won 17 games before he came out because of his personal issues. I mean, this team won 103 games in a division that had the reigning world champions, won it by nine games over a team that pushed the Houston Astros to five in the the American League Division Series in Tampa Bay. I'm sorry, the Minnesota Twins went below 500 against winning teams this year. They won 100 games. I get it. That's That's impressive. You know, we kept waiting for the Indians to to come back, and they never did. But I know postseason doesn't matter, and it shouldn't. But Aaron Boone wiped the floor with Rocco Baldelli in the first in the division series. I mean, I don't know what more you could possibly do as a manager. I mean, he kept that team afloat, and and you said it earlier. What what you know role does a manager play in 2019 baseball? Well, whatever role that is, Aaron Boone exceeded all expectations. There were so many reasons for this team to go in the toilet, and they never did. They won 103 goddamn games uh, with guys you've never heard of. What he did with this team was remarkable. How you don't vote for him, uh, it's clearly we don't like the Yankees. And this was the first time, really, I was kind of against it in 17 with Judge. This just fully blows it. If you really believe, as an intelligent baseball fan, that Rocco Baldelli deserved manager of the year in the American League, you obviously just hear the Yankees' name and assume that they should be great, or you didn't watch any of the season because it's absolute. It, to me, it's not even a Yankee fan thing. They they just didn't get the guy right. Agree with you completely. The year that the Yankees had was incredible, just based off obviously all the injuries. The other guy, Schlitt, whatever Schilt, yeah, whatever the fuck his name is. I thought. Cardinals had a great year, and they played over their heads, and they came back and, and won the division. I thought that I thought that was well deserved. Yeah, yeah. You know, got to the NLCS, and um, they staged off a couple of other teams. Although I would like Dave Martinez, honestly, the way he the way he had that team playing, especially after going whatever nineteen and thirty five or whatever it was, 
He, sh- he should be considered as well. He should be considered. I think what they did with him was they looked at that division and said, and looked at the town on that team and, and said, you probably shouldn't have even been under 500. This team is really too good to, to not win this division when you have the Mets and the Phillies. As, and But, you know, you look at the Braves. I mean, the Braves did win the division. The Braves were really good. So I guess that was their only thinking, but I agree with you. And nothing against Schilt. I just... David Martinez rallied that team. Apparently, reportedly, he was like two or three days away from getting fired. You know, he got them into the playoffs. He got them into the playoffs. That team played for him. Uh, You could also have voted Snitker, the the, uh, manager for Atlanta. But either way, Boone got completely hosed, and the writer showed their anti-Yankee bias. And that's not me being a homer. That's just Clown show. Yeah, just Absolutely. All right, let's move on to some NBA after that. Luca is he just stepped up like what 10 levels? God, he's so good. He is uh, he's electric. He's an amazing player. Giannis stepped up another couple levels as well. That he's team is not as now. good as last year. No. But they he miss is Brogdon. better. They miss Brogdon a lot. That guy's playing like an all-star in Indiana. I know he's a little dinged up, but um who's your MVP right now? Right now to me it's still Giannis, but Luca's pushing hard. How about you? Right now it is Luca. Yeah? You know I'm a big-time Luka guy. You know you and I are both huge Luka guys. This team is playing well, too. And and just wait till Porzingis starts to round into form. Listen back to the archives of the Sorry Sports 2018 NBA draft. It was a Luka suck fest. All you and I did was like, how can the fuck can he not go number one? He won MVP of the finals in the Spanish League as an 18-year-old. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's unbelievable. But... That goes to show how good Giannis is. Like, Giannis has even taken his game up a notch. I know the team's not as good, but you want to think about what they would be without him. Oh, God, they'd be terrible. Another shout-out to the Lakers. They have the yeah. they are tied for the best record in basketball with the Boston Celtics, another surprise team. I wouldn't really say the Lakers are a surprise because we kind of expected it. Yep. But they're I mean, great. They're, they're better than I thought they would be. They're uh, number one in the power rankings that were just released today on Bleacher They're Report. They're playing defense like I haven't. LeBron's playing defense like I haven't seen him play in like five years. Yeah, well, he was he's been on a mission clearly, and I think that that rest for him last year, I wouldn't call that load management. He was hurt, and then they were out of it, and they had to make sure that they didn't you know lose him as an asset going forward as he got older. Davis is at as advertised. Dwight Howard's playing really well. Danny Green has really given them a, a, a push. I mean, obviously, you you've got guys like Avery Bradley playing good minutes for them. I mean. This team is just clicking on all cylinders. I think when Rondo comes back, he's just going to make them that much better. I agree. I, I mean, they have star power, and that star power is balling. So I give them a lot of credit. A team that I am very surprised in how good they are from a good standpoint is the Boston Celtics are legit. They are. Even with the with Hayward being out, I think that honestly opened up the floor a little bit more for guys like Brown and Tatum and obviously Kemba to do what he does. And those young big men, the two Williams guys, they're pretty good as well. I mean, they're doing more than just enough for for what they need out of those two guys. And Brad Stevens is finally being able to, like, because Kyrie's gone, he's mm-hmm. finally being able to run a team the way he wants it to be run again back when Isaiah Thomas was there. Well, I mean, I would say it's more like the 17 team when Kyrie first got there. Remember, they went off to, I think, a 16-2 and two start. Yeah, but Kyrie was still ball hogging it. It was just working for him. Yeah, I think I know you're a Kyrie defender. No, 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 no. But I'm just saying, as far as getting off to that kind of a start, no, I agree. But I'm talking about the look of the team. Yeah, Kemba sharing the ball a lot, and this is kind of the the basketball we envision seeing from them because Kemba is that guy. 
Um, that team just seems to be flowing really well. Um, there's nothing bad you can say about them. They've won games that I didn't think they'd win. They're they're mopping the floor with inferior competition, um, and they play just a beautiful brand of basketball. And, and that's a Brad Stevens thing. I think you're right. Uh, this is the kind of basketball he wants to play, and he finally has players in the roles that that should that are capable of doing that. And as much as I do love Kyrie, you know, to see what he's done for the Nets, I mean, he is sometimes you only option. When he's going well, you're going to live with him or die with him. Well, it's four players standing around watching him. Right, and that's the thing. Yeah, Sometimes it, fortunately, though. Right, and that's the thing. Like He's going to win you games, but he's also not... When he's hot, it's get the fuck out of my way. And sometimes that works, and sometimes that doesn't. I think Boston is obviously more star-driven than the Nets are, so they can kind of get away with it, but you got to get Jason Tatum his shots and Jalen Brown his shots and Gordon Hayward when he's healthy his shots and Kemba is distributing the ball and he's hitting threes at a crazy clip too. I mean, he was a great three-point shooter last year as well, shooting close to 40%. So he can definitely knock it down off the dribble and off the pass. So I think he's a little more built for this offense and for this team than Kyrie was. And we kind of speculate, we did speculate that. We, we thought that he's not the not talent a better player, of, right, but, but a better fit. And yeah. sometimes that's what matters. Um, as conversely, the Philadelphia 76ers are struggling. Yeah. I mean, Ben Simmons is not shooting the any shot. Yeah, nothing from, that we thought we were going to see. No, I mean, it's not like I thought he was going to come out and be Ray Allen, but also at the same time, I thought he was at least going to try and keep the defenses, on, defenses honest. And then Embiid, I mean, I'm just tired of watching him shoot threes. Uh, he should just tell Ben Simmons, like, take, like, two of the threes that I take a game, and I'm going to stop taking them. Do you like his pump fake that he still continues to use at the top of the key? No, I don't. (laughs) Al Horford is the best three-point shooter on this team right now. That's scary. They need more shooting. They need to go out and make some moves. Yeah, and Richardson has not been the kind of boost that they thought they were going to get from him. Um Obviously, he's not J.J. Redick from, from outside, and he struggled defensively, too. This team is very short in a lot of ways and their depth has really been challenged and they don't have the depth that they had last year. I don't think they regret giving um, Tobias Harris that money as far as him as a player, but he just doesn't fit on this team. No, he does not. Um, I mean, because he's an ancillary piece. He's a mid range to sometimes a three point jump shooter and he's just kind of clogging the floor up. Yeah, fortunately, because he's not a sharpshooter. He's not. I mean, he, he he needs the ball. He's an ISO player, like everyone else on the team. Right. I mean, to me, him and Horford kind of serve the same role. I know they play different positions, but they serve the kind of the same role. They're both three point guys that can kind of stand out there and rebound, but they're not bona fide playmakers. So no. like, you can't have them both on the floor at the same time. And and if you do, Harris is kind of what he was in the playoffs last year—a guy that's just standing around, doesn't really have a role. Um. Yeah, they've been disappointing. They, um, I think Brett Brown is on the hot seat. Whether it's his fault or not, I don't know. But if they don't make some moves fast and find a way to get some shooting, um, this is not the team we expected that we were going to see. Absolutely. So before we move on to the locals, Paul George is back. 70 points in his first two games. So good. He's a monster, man. He's so good. He's like a top three player in the league right now. I is and he's played nah, two, maybe top five. And he's played two games this year. I mean, that's how good he is. And um, obviously, people are talking about load management with Kawhi. I don't really want to have that conversation. He is nursing an injury. I mean, he was hurt all postseason last year. He played the finals on basically one leg, maybe even the Eastern Conference Finals as well. I mean, listen, 
I think that there's ways to navigate load management, rest him more at home. The home fans get 41 time opportunities to see him. Road teams only really get one or two max. Just figure out a better way to do it, but I don't really care. He is actually hurt. You know, it's not like they're just letting him have a, a rest day. Like he is, this is an injury that's chronic. Remember, he did miss a full season in San Antonio. Whether we that was, you know, BS or not, he was hurt. So, um, let them do what they're going to do with him. Last thing I wanted to talk about before the locals do it is I got to get your take on the Warriors. I was thinking about this the other night as they were blowing their overtime loss to Boston. By the way, now um, D'Angelo Russell's out for at least two weeks with a sprained thumb. So they really have Draymond and nobody else. Eric Pascal, Villanova product playing pretty goddamn well, and, and they got Jordan Poole too, but these are the names I'm talking about. From the, What a difference a year makes. But yep. I want to get your take on them from this perspective. This is a team that has had a five-year run that we haven't seen in a long time. Uh, probably since that 1999 to 2003 range with the Lakers, right? Playing 100-plus games a year. Yeah. Do you know that they are going to be able to get through a year where Steph is basically not going to play? Clay's definitely not playing now. You still got Draymond. D'Angelo Russell's out. Whether they trade him or not, I don't know. But they're going to find a way to get the first or second or third pick in the draft. And Such they're, they're going to, they're like, this is insane. Do you, is this like, this might be the luckiest worst team I've, I've, I can think of. I mean, you built up so much equity. You're in the new, you're in the new, you're in the new arena. The season tickets are already locked in. People are going to be going there regardless just to check it out. It's just bullshit. Honestly, is that, can you think of another situation like this in the NBA where a team that's coming off at least a couple championship runs? No. Maybe have like guys Lakers, get hurt and then the finally the Lakers first or second teams? pick again? I don't know. No, I really can't. Maybe some Celtics teams back in the day, but aside from that, coming straight off championships, no. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if next year they're like the three seed. Such bullshit. It's crazy. It's crazy. Ah, what can you do? Honestly, it's a lot of luck and a little bit of good management. Yeah, I, I think right now it's uh, now you. They just got to make sure they get the right pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but. There's some guys coming out, too. There's some guys coming out. Um, All right, man. Talk to me about your Knicks. This week in Knicks updates is... Status quo. Hey, you beat the Mavs again. Yeah. No, and and listen. Marcus Morris. looking good. Um, Fuck Marcus Morris, man. I would have taken that loss if he... Even if he didn't play, I don't care. I don't care about wins and losses. I just want to see this team grow. But clearly they have other, other plans for the Knicks. They think they're a playoff team. It's utter bullshit. Um, but with that being said, I, I'm extremely happy with how RJ Barrett's playing and someone that I would never have thought to be awoken has awoken. Frankie smokes is starting to play basketball, starting to knock down shots, playing defense, like nobody else getting on the floor. Um, and Mitchell Robinson's playing well on top of that. I I just want to see a little more consistency out of Knox. Aside from that, Status quo, I don't know who's going to get fired. I don't know when they're going to get fired. They're going to continue to lose games. They'll probably be a top three lottery team, especially because Charlotte's playing pretty well compared to what we thought they were going to be. Um, yeah, this team's terrible. They are, but you know what? It's uh, 66% of your wins is against the Mavericks and uh, and Porzingis, so I'm sure that feels good to that some does. of the people and some of the fans. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess... From the Knicks' perspective, is Nidalkina is showing signs, and RJ Barrett's a stud. A guy, god awful at the free throw line, though. He's got to figure that out. He's 
just an automatic miss right now. But you hope that that's just a young player who figures it out. But I what think are you going to so. do? Yeah. Um, All right, let's talk Nets. Oh, boy. Uh, well, they're down 24 at the half right now to, to Indiana. The, net, oh. the Nets are not playing with Kyrie Irving. He's got a shoulder impingement that he tried to play through in Utah and in um, and in Denver, and it didn't work out too well. He didn't have two of his best games. Well, this team is bad because now Karis LeVert is out for four to six weeks with a, a thumb injury, and, and, and I hate to say this about a guy I love, but you can probably label him injury prone now. I mean, he's missed time in every single one of his seasons, and he's only this is only his fourth um, significant time, I may add. So I think that that's something you have to be genuinely concerned about. Listen, I picked them as the third seed because I thought that they were deep enough and just going off of the momentum that they carried from last year, and you add a play, player of Kyrie Irving's ilk, even without Durant, um, I thought that they could go on a run. What I'm seeing right now is a team that, doesn't play a lot of defense at all. They're figuring out rotations. Um, certain guys have been disappointments. Um, and they've got a significant amount of injuries that they're trying to deal with right now. Because also, we, we're seeing guys like Theo Pinson and Zanin Musa and, and Nick Claxton playing like 25 minutes each. Um, I'm disappointed with this team. I know it's still early, but I expected them to be better. Uh, they beat the Bulls the other night, but they're getting killed by an Indiana team at home that they shouldn't get killed by. Um, they've lost a couple games. Not that they're better than Utah or better than Denver, but when you have large leads in games late, you don't blow those games, and they are blowing those games, looking lost uh, in the la- in the closing minutes of games that they should be winning. So I don't know. Um, I mean, they're a playoff team bottom half of the east probably um but definitely disappointing absolutely man um i i still think they end up like a six or seven seed well that's what i'm saying now they're probably a bottom i I had high hopes for them i had them finishing third and that was was again probably a fanboy yeah yeah but i still would have preferred fourth and fourth or fifth but you know with the injuries and and the lack of you know smart play and i I don't know that it's just not a great not a great vibe right now. No, not at all. All right, so let's move on. Final thing, a little college basketball. Finally, it's back. I'm excited about that. So let's talk about somebody that's not playing right now, and that's Wiseman for – is it James Wiseman? James Wiseman of Memphis, yeah. For Memphis, Penny Hardaway in Memphis, and he is out indefinitely. Tried to fight it. Um, I guess it didn't really work out for him too well. Didn't work out for him or Memphis. Um Obviously, this was a controversial move because Penny Hardaway was his coach in high school and AAU. Um, so, obviously, money was handled at some point, and he came to Memphis with him, and uh, he's been playing great in the few games he played. But, you know, it's the thing with the NCAA. Like, you just can't do it. We can scream and yell about it all we want when it comes to some of these players in basketball and football, but at the end of the day is these are the rules, and if you get caught, you're going to serve discipline. So, you know, they, they was going to go to court and fight it, and now he's just like, uh, Memphis is like, no, you're just not going to play, and we're going to try to find a way to figure this out. He's a hell of a player. Yeah, absolutely. He's a hell of a player. Um, whoever gets him in the draft is going to be very happy, but... Again, it's the NCAA. It's the battle now that Love these cheaters. Yeah, now that these now that these new uh, 
rules for players to capitalize on their likeness and all that start to come in. I mean, you might as well just abolish the one and done again. Doesn't help the schools that much because, you know, did anybody really care about Duke last year? They just cared about Zion. And mm-hmm. if they lose in the tournament, you know, it feels like it's a disappointment and we all got hosed. Just let them go pro. If they're ready to go pro, you're going to live with your success stories and you're going to live with your failures. You get that anyway. I mean, if a player gets hurt in his first year and his only year in college, we're going to scream about how bad it is. If they go pro and they're not ready and they're out of the league, we're going to scream about how how bad that is. Um, you know, I don't know what more else you can say about that. There's some exciting young players, though. Um, and Memphis, I still think, is going to be really good. Yeah, I do think they're going to be a pretty good team this year. All right, so a couple games we got. St. John's lost to Vermont. I already mentioned that. We don't want to talk about that, especially when you start off with such a fucking cupcake schedule and you can't even win those games. Kentucky, speaking of cupcakes, loses to Evansville. Weren't you starting at point guard for them last year? <laughs> I was, yeah. I had a good run. Nice. Um, my God, dude. I couldn't Calipari. believe this. They were ranked I, number one at that time. Uh this is one of the biggest upsets in a long time, and I feel like it isn't talked about enough. I've been pounding the table and saying this for a while. Calipari is a terrible in-game coach. Terrible. He he gets way too amped. He he doesn't have like good coaches are even keeled. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. He's always good for wasting a timeout or two when he shouldn't, or leaving a few in his pocket when he should call a timeout. I just don't think he's a good X's and O guy either. Great recruiter. Yeah, I, I mean, how you lose to Evansville, I mean, that's, I mean, is the, it's not like they were ranked 20th, you know, I mean, that's an upset anyway, even if they're not ranked, you know, that's an upset to be number one and lose to a team like that, you know, that would be like UConn being number one and losing to like the University of Hartford or something like that, that just is not supposed to happen. And you're right, I feel like it hasn't been talked about it enough. And maybe it's because it's hidden in college football and all the NFL stuff on and off the field and some NBA. But yeah, that was wild to me. Um, couldn't believe that. I was happy. It's just because it's early in the college basketball season, which Kentucky's lucky it's early in the basketball season. Yeah, and I'm sure they're going to find their way in late January, February, like they always do, and they'll be playing for an SEC championship, and they'll be a four seed. But, God damn, that's crazy. Duke is now number one in the new polls for whatever that's worth at this point in the season. I was happy with the UConn win yesterday. i got to be honest. I mean, they lost to uh, St. Joseph's last week. And I know they came back, but St. Joseph was just putting it to them. And St. Joseph is a quality, legitimate program in the Atlantic 10. Um, You know, they've had a pedigree, but God, UConn just got waxed by them. They came back late but lost. But to take care of business against a Florida team ranked number 15 and who was preseason number four at home, I know Florida did not play their best basketball. Uh, Blackshear struggled uh, with foul trouble the entire game. He did have 15 points, but he was uh, in and out of foul trouble, you know, basically the entire game. But some of UConn's players that you know Hurley and and fans have been waiting for to to actually play well really showed up. The defense was strong. Uh, the atmospheric gamble was good. And again, I don't expect UConn to be a championship team. I'd be happy with them finding their way into the tournament in their last year in the AAC uh, before going back to the Big East next year where they belong. But that was a quality win. That was the first statement win that Danny Hurley has had. And you're starting to see his imprint on this team, which is exciting as a fan. Absolutely, man. All right, so that about wraps it up for our Monday rundown. We'll be back on Wednesday. Sean, 
we have so much NFL to talk about. Absolutely, including the fact that you're not even gaining ground during good weeks on your picks. No. You, you, make, told right me, you told me when I showed up to the studio, you've got the fast food menu starting to, you're starting to look up and... Uh, starting to pull them up to see what's coming out. Stomach's starting to churn. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I cannot wait. Got to get my secretary on that. And I got to get my secretary to start putting the picks back up on the website. And we got to get you jumping in that body of water soon. Another cool Absolutely. Day. Let it cool off a little bit more. I really want it to be worth something. Oh, it, oh it'll be worth something. All right, everybody. Have a good night. We'll be back on Wednesday. Take care, guys.